What's up, what's up, what's up, you beautiful and sexy you? You are tuned in to Get What You Want with host Jessica Brothers. Sharing these secrets to feeling powerful, healthy, and ageless so you can stop that cycle you're in and break free to live the incredible quality of life you deserve. Welcome to the Get What You Want podcast. This episode is sponsored by freehealthybook.com. If you would like to know why you feel tired, unmotivated, and can't lose that last weight, and how to start feeling powerful, healthy, and ageless, then go to freehealthybook.com. What's up, what's up, what's up, everyone? This is Jessica Brothers, host of the What You Want podcast. We have one amazing guest today. Her name is Deborah Ann Cruz. And today, we're going to talk about sex, confidence, and trauma. So listen in. You don't want to miss this. Today, I have Deborah Cruz. Deborah, I met Deborah uh, at a power lunch, and she is a hot ticket, man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am so excited that you're here with us today, Deborah, to share everything you do, which is really unique. Uh, Deborah is very interesting, and she is a hoot, man. Like, I, I love talking with her. So, here we are today to share a little bit. Deborah, welcome to the What You Want podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And it was such a pleasure to meet you at Rainmaker. And I'm so excited to share everything I do with your audience that will be a benefit to them and to help them stay healthy, happy and survive and thrive in this crazy world. It is a crazy world, isn't it? So Deborah, yeah. let's let's dive right in. What is it you do? What is your specialty? Just right off the bat. I am a licensed mental health therapist. I'm an executive coach. I am a certified executive no what? No, certified employee assistance professional and I'm also a sex therapist. Yes. I think that's the coolest thing. That's what I really want to talk about. Uh because I know that I know many people, especially women, they, they struggle with low libido. I mean, I hear all the time. They don't want to have sex and let's be honest, sex feels good. Why don't we want more of it? Right. What, what is the issue there? Yeah. Hormones, hormones, stress, particularly what age that particular woman is. And, um, they don't really tell you this, but when a woman gets into the perimenopause stage and the menopause stage, you lose your libido. I lost mine. And, um, but I had a different, I had a different opinion about it because I loved it. I love not having the pressure of sex. And, um, but um, my doctor, I had, had a traumatic brain injury from an accident like 20 years ago. Wow. And my um, functional medicine doctor put me on hormone replacement therapy. And, you know, it just kind of woke everything up. And I don't know, can I curse on this show? Of course you can. (laughs) But I told her, I said, you didn't tell me that libido shit was going to come back. (laughs) She said, said, Deborah, you're crazy. And she said, it does different things than that. You know, it does, you know, helps with your brain synapses and all that stuff. And she said, well, you don't have to do anything about it. I said, yes, I do. (laughs) 
So it was like, yeah, it was just that pressure. But my having that brain injury there and a lot of my memory was gone. But with the hormone treatment, if you get the right hormone treatment and I had to do bioidentical hormones because I have a heart condition. So she checked everything. She checked, she checked the genetic component of my blood chemistry and everything and gave me the right combination of identical hormones. So it's a cream I put on. And um, like I say, it just woke everything up, but I'm 67. And with my age now, it reminded me, um, it was like all these things were, were, were was popping in my brain. And it was like, I was remembering back to when I was your age and how I felt about myself and being a woman, being a, a burgeoning, growing woman, trying to make it in the world in corporate America mm. and being a woman of color mm-hmm. and you know, choosing not to be married, not to have kids because I wanted my career. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do me. Yes. And, you know, I wanted to stick to that plan. You know, I don't knock anybody else who wants to do it, but I just, you know, I saw my family, my sisters go through bad relationships and my mom. And I just said, I don't want that life, you know? So I tell anybody, make your own decision of who you want to be and how you want to live your life because we only have one life, Yes, one life, you know? And um, can I back up a bit? Yes, I was I was a pedestrian hit by a car in 1998. I was working at American Bankers Association as a meeting planner. And, you know, my life was in Washington, D.C., had a nice apartment, had my first Mercedes and got hit by a car. One of my neighbors hit me when I was walking across the street. And, you know, it was like when I when I was tossed off of the hood of her car and I realized I was on the ground and it was like, I heard people talking and I said, I did a scan. I was like, oh, no, no bones are broken. And I could hear people talking, but it was like, this voice came to me and it said to me, are you going to listen to me now? Mm. And I knew exactly what that voice meant because I've been getting messages since the eighth grade that I should be a therapist, a leader or a coach or something like that. But I didn't believe in myself. Because I'm I'm a survivor, childhood sexual abuse Mm -hmm. and um, bullying, sibling bullying and, you know, school and all that kind of stuff. So I just didn't believe in myself. I didn't know how to believe in myself. Um, But when I got hit by that car, it was like, okay, I get it. I get it. And I immediately enrolled in grad school, you know, when I was able to, I had to have four back surgeries. And then I had two heart attacks. So that whole process took 15 years out of my life. But I had to think fast. I said, who's going to take care of me? Yes. I'm not married. I don't have family. You know, who's going to take care of me? So I figured, okay, I made this arrangement with God. And, you know, it was like when I got hit by that car and I realized that it's almost like when you have trauma, any trauma that you go through it's almost like um, a decision you have to make whether or not you're going to accept the challenge. I figured it's a challenge from the universe. Are you going to accept the challenge of whatever comes along? And I did that. I said, okay, God, I said, you know, I'll go with it. What you know, wherever you're leading me, I don't know where, but you know, I'll go with it. And it took 15 years out of my life, but my health started to improve at a certain point. And then it was like, okay, you know, what do I do now? So I had to get a job, went to work for the government. But it was like all through that process, I had to keep learning how to listen to myself. 
Ah. How to hear that voice and how to connect to a higher voice. Because if you listen to anybody else, pay attention to anybody else's opinion, you're going to get their stuff oh, in gosh. their shit. Yes, yes. All of it, all of their, their, their stuff. And, you know, you're going to have people that, that will try to tell you, oh, I know what you should do. I know how you, but it's not, it's mm -hmm. not. But you, if you learn how to listen to that, that silent voice within your heart, you, you know, I think I, that would be the, the thing that guides you to your happiness, you know, because, and the rewards are great because I'm living my, I'm living my best life now. I love that. 67. I know yeah. I don't look like it, but that was the plan. You don't and, look 67. You look much younger, Deborah. You really do. <laughs> well, that's what I'm telling when I was your age, I knew I planned what I wanted to look like. So I'm telling any of your audience, if you're in your younger years, 20s, 30s, plan ahead. Mm. Just envision, dream of how you want to look, you know, when you get 60, 70 and what you want your life to be like. I know I like nice things. I like to fly first class. And, you know, I just wanted to have, you know, always prayed that, that God would lead me into that type of lifestyle where I could always support myself and not have to depend on a man you know, to do that, because that that's the prescription. And it, I guess the worldwide prescription, a woman is supposed to have a man to take care of her yes. and uh, abide by his rules, you yes. know, and they don't know what to do with us now. Oh my God. You know what? I see a huge shift in the world right now. Momentum about women really rising up, being yes. more powerful, more yes. powerful, earning more money. I mean, just in the gym alone, I see yeah. women working harder than the men. And yeah. I know the men are looking at that. I know the men are like, holy shit, look at this woman. She's, she's pushing it. Like she's, right. they're not, we're not just there anymore looking pretty. We're right. showing them up. That's really, really powerful. You know, I too came from uh, sexual abuse, child sexual mm -hmm. abuse and, and, and trauma, um, all kinds of abuse, not just sexual abuse and sibling, you know, um, abuse too. And I always thought that I was the only one who had that inner voice. Like I always had that inner voice too, but I was never confident enough in who I was to actually listen to it. I thought, oh, I must be crazy, but no, I feel special. I feel special, but I was told, no, you're not. And that goes back to what you were saying, Deborah, about if you let other people make your choices, if you listen to other people, you're not going to be happy because yeah. they want you to make choices that make them happy, which right. is usually not in your best interest. But, right. um, you know, I, I love the fact that you brought up, we're talking about sex and libido mm -hmm. and brought up the bioidentical hormones, because that's something that my team and I do. Mm. You know, um, we, nice. we, we help, we get that blueprint of the inside of your body. So yes. we know what is going on and how to best support your body. And one of the things we do is those bioidentical hormones. They're yes. huge. Yes. So I love that you brought that up because yeah. as much as you didn't want that libido back, you got it back, right? I got it back with a vengeance. But yeah, what that's that's awesome. So anyone who really wants that back, especially for women, yes. I mean, hey, that's a bonus right there. But B, right. what other changes when when you got when you got those bioidentical hormones? What other changes did you experience? Well, my brain, my brain chemistry, my brain functioning, and mm -hmm. being because I'd had an outline for a book, 
for 15 years and I couldn't I couldn't get past the first chapter but when she when the when the hormones started working I finished the book and it's published now and um but I tell you what the 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 medical profession they go by synthetic hormones and that I had a heart that's what caused my heart attack yeah when I, I was 48 and my dog my gyn put me on um um I think it was I don't know it was permanent or something, but it caused the heart attack. It was a three-month trial. And I, you know, I was walking to her office to get the three-month checkup and I started feeling this pressure in my chest. And um I, I stopped and you know caught my breath. And I've been exercising and everything. And I said, this is strange. And I walked to her office and I told her about these symptoms. And she dismissed them because it was Thanksgiving time and she was talking about her turkey and her relatives that were coming. So I dismissed it. You know, and I, I walked back home and she renewed the prescription. I walked back home, but that pressure came back again. And I had a class, I was in social work school, I had a class that evening and it, it didn't go away. And I just had to pray. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever, whatever's happening, you know, um, Lord, just give me, give me strength to, to get some help. And it was like, my mind went into automatic pilot and I was able to call 911 and they took me to the EMT and they said, you had a heart attack. And I said, what? And when I called, um, I called the doctor from the hospital and I said, um, they said I had a heart attack. I felt bad. I said, I didn't get the prescription filled. She said, oh, no, 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 don't take it. Don't take it. When I did my research on that medication, it had, it, there was a um, study with some big, it was a huge study and they stopped the study because it was causing heart attacks in women. Wow. And, then I learned even the nurses at the hospital, they said she should have known better than to give you that particular one because I, I it, it was like one estrogen or progesterone, whatever the combination, it was wrong for my chemistry, my body. Yeah. So that that just set everything in motion about that. And it, it set me back. That was in 2006. Yeah. And it just but I couldn't figure out. I say, OK, I had these back surgeries. Then I had this heart stuff. I said, how do you rank? How do you rank that trauma? There was no way to rank it. There was no way to rank it because I figured out the common denominator was me and how I wanted to choose to feel about any of that. You know, I made the decision to set strong limits and boundaries at that time. I didn't want my family to come around me. When I was in the hospital, I just wanted to be me, God and the angels and ancestors. That's all I wanted. I wanted to have that straight guidance to that higher power because my family was never there for me anyway. So why, why be there now? Yes. You know, but that really helped me. Even people from church, you know, I told them, I said, no, don't come see me. No. And, and I, that really helped because it helped me to tune into myself. Mm -hmm. It helped me to tune in to figure out what I wanted to do and to learn to control my mind because I had the heart attack. I couldn't feel bad. When I felt bad or had bad thoughts, I felt the pressure again. I love and that. then when I, I realized, you know, when I, when, my, when I changed my thoughts, then that pressure lightened up. So yeah, it doesn't take years for people to learn how to change their thoughts. It mm -hmm. doesn't take that at all. I've also learned with my clients who are also survivors, they mean, some of them don't believe me, but I believe that any trauma we, we suffer, particularly childhood trauma, means that we're special. We are chosen. 
We are chosen by a higher power because if you can get through that trauma as a child and get to where you are at a point where you can help other people as you are, Miss Jessica, yes. you're chosen. Yes. You're chosen, you know, and that's very, very special. Very special. <sighs> Yeah, absolutely. This is, there's so much power here. Honestly, Deborah, the, the fact that you wanted to be alone in the hospital after your heart attack, you didn't want others around because you wanted, you want time with yourself so you could be you and you could figure out what it is you wanted deep down inside for those positive thoughts. And, and you're right. It just takes awareness, awareness of yourself and your thoughts to simply shift them and change them. And so many people are afraid to be by themselves because then mm -hmm. they're forced to go inside with their thoughts and their choices and who they are. And yeah. that's scary to a lot of people, but yeah. it's scary be because that is our power. That yeah. is our power. And we're giving it away if we choose not to do that. And I love that you chose in a time of what most people would think uh, is a weakness or a time where you need others to be around. For me, I would have done, I would have chose the same thing, Deborah. Everyone leave me the hell alone. Yes. yes. Obviously I'm in this position right now because I listened to too many other people and not my inner voice to bring me to where I am today. How do I make my life happier? What is it that I want? Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And well, well, yeah. And, and, and using that trauma, using that trauma, that adversity as a power too. It is our power. It is a lesson. Move forward. Yeah. It also taught me about my, my certain psychic skills and spiritual skills that I was always afraid because I would get premonitions and visions and things like that. But when I would tell my sisters, they were, oh, you're crazy. And I kept it all to myself. But I learned to put that power into, into practice. Mm. So now with my clients, I can actually see where they're supposed to be. I love and that. I can tell them and I can help them through whatever, whatever point they're at now and help them to listen to themselves. I'm a, um, one of my coaching certificates is in self-esteem recovery. Mm. And it was Dr. Marilyn Sorensen in um, Portland, Oregon, who um, defines low self-esteem as a thinking disorder. And that spoke to me. And I called the number on, on, on the internet and she answered the phone. And I'm like, oh my God, this woman answered the phone. So I studied with her for 16 weeks and got certified in her, in her um, technique because I said, you're the only one who didn't want to label me as some clinically depressed person. I wanted to understand why I feel that way. Mm -hmm. What's causing those thoughts? Mm -hmm. So that's what I've learned to help my clients with. I helped them to do a deep dive and figuring out where those voices are coming from, because there's always this train of thought, trail of thought in the back of our heads that are telling you, you're not worth anything. You know, you don't deserve, you don't deserve that. Cause I had my siblings tell me that when I, when I saved enough money to buy my first little Mercedes and I took it home to let my, let my older sister drive it. And she told me we're at a stoplight and she said, you don't deserve this. Oh, wow. She said, this should belong to me and it should be parked in, in front of the, one of those big uh, brick houses over there. I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah, I didn't know because I, I never talked back to her. And I just said, well, you can get one too. You can work and get one too. But, you know, being in that hospital bed and it just re made me realize how people who are closest to you will hurt you the most. Oh you my know? gosh. So true. They hurt you. And then, you know, that also went back to me believing in that higher power and, and realizing that our families are just the, our parents, 
just the avenue how we got here on earth. Mm-hmm. That that helped me so much because if I if I thought about the other other way of family, this family, that I would be hurt all the time. Oh my god! And I didn't want to be hurt. So I learned to do that. Even my clients now, you know, when they, they come in and they say something about their parents and the college professor who's, um, she's in her fifties. And when I first met with her, she was talking about stress. But when I, I said, tell me, tell me about growing up. And she said her father was a drug addict. And she said she remembered waiting there for him to come and pick her up when she was six years old. And I saw that six year old little girl sitting in front of me. And I asked her, I said, do you feel like a grown-up? And she said, no, 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 I don't. And, you know, we had to go through that process of me telling her about, you know, you have your own individual life. Your father was a boy at one time, whatever made him go on to drugs or, or something like that. I said, you had no control over that, you know, but there's a higher power that loved you. You know, and look where you are now. You're a, you're a tenured professor. You know, you're helping other young young people. You know, so let let's focus on that. Let's focus on that part of you and and your being. I said because you're brilliant. You're you're brilliant, and you're where you are because of the trauma you had to go through. But you made it through it. Yeah. You made it through it. Those yeah, that that gives you strength, right? It gives yeah. you strength and, and power to help others who have also gone through it to to relate to you, so you too can help them grow out of it or endure through it and, and come out the other side smiling. And yes. I know a lot of people listening to this right now uh, because I get this a lot because uh, mm-hmm. you and I have very um, similar stories when it comes to family mm-hmm. and the power that we used to give to them over mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had some very similar situations with my first Mercedes too. <laughs> oh, nice. Sweet. Yes. Yes, girl. You know, and, <laughs> and people ask me, well, Jessica, I can't just, you know, hate my family. And I, I, I say, I'm not asking you to hate your family. I'm right. asking you to choose you first and yes. to love certain people from a distance. Absolutely. Love them from a distance. Love yeah. leads everything. There is no hate. There really is right. no hate that comes back to thoughts, right? You want everything to be high frequency, high value, just like your food. You want it to be high value for your body. Your thoughts have to be high value food for your brain. Yes. Yes. Because if you believe that other stuff, you'll never know how smart you are. You'll never know how intelligent you are. You know, when I got to grad school, I ended grad school with a 3.8 GPS out of 4.0. And I'm like, I really need to get this stuff. You know, I'm really, I really am smart, you know, and I thought about, I could have done it years before, but it wasn't my time. You know, it was like, I had to keep going through those traumas Mm -hmm. and and feeling bad about myself. But, you know, when I, when I got it, you know, when I really, when I finally got it and got on the track where I'm supposed to be, because I knew now I learned to know what happiness felt like. And to be in control of my life and to know that, you know, nobody can take away what I created because I, it's mine. You know, when I got hit by that car and I had, you know, they say, tell your family. And I told my family and they were like, oh, what's, well, you know, how's the car? And, and, and you know, is, is there much damage? I said, my body was, my body got hit, not the car. The car is fine. It was me. I'm like, they said, oh, oh, oh. I was like, okay. yeah, okay. 
So even though now you see why I didn't want any of them around me in the hospital. Mm-hmm. That's like, okay, focus in, it's focus in. And, and, you know, when they close that door, you know, when you're in the hospital, they close the door, they send your family away anyway. It's only you and God anyway. Yes. You know? So it's, so it's like the, it was more time for me, more time for me to focus on, listen, listen to myself and to know what my, what myself sounded like, mm. you know, what I wanted, you know, for sure. And, the sex part, the sex therapy part. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's, let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> I, I'll tell you COVID when COVID hit, I got so many calls. I love the, I love the pandemic because I was able to write. I had, you know, didn't have to go out of the house, go to the office, but I, I, I focused on just my projects and I kept getting calls from my clients that were saying, you know, my husband's here and he won't have sex with me or my boyfriend's here and he won't have sex with me. And what can I do? And I'm like, mm-hmm. but he's sitting right there, you know? And, and then they was, well, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. And I said, okay, write him a fantasy. I said, what do you mean write him a fantasy? And I said, write him a fantasy, write a personalized erotic fantasy. I said, what do you know about him? And I had a case in point. Everybody's meeting online too these days and you never really know anybody that you're meeting online. But I had one client who they, um, she was 30 something, he was 39, his first baby, they got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Got online, got pregnant, you know, and they, they, they uh, lived together. They didn't get married, but they lived together, try to form a family. And I had a couple session with him. So I got to see who he was and he was working three jobs trying to support the family because the baby was two or three months old, but the baby had special needs. It was on an oxygen mask. And um, she called me three weeks later and she said, I'm kicking him out. And I said, what happened? And she said, I'm a woman, I have needs and he hasn't had sex with me in, in two weeks. And I, I don't know what to do. I think he's fooling around with somebody. <laughs> I said, what? And I said, he's, you think that? I said, he's working three jobs. And I said, well, okay. I said, I hear what you're saying. I said, but what are you doing? What are you doing when, he, when you know, to spice things up? And she said, well, I'm here with the baby all day long. I said, yeah, I get that. And I said, have you thought about writing him a fantasy? And she said, I don't know how to do that. So I gave her some pointers. I said, okay, calm down, calm down, hear me out. I gave her some pointers on a little story, you know, of of what to write for him. You know, when you met, first met, just think of a scene and just kind of put some things together, you know, make it short. And I said, if you want to spice it up, I said, record it and send it to him in Mm -hmm. a message. And and I said, you know, if you want to have dinner for him, make dinner for him. I said, when he comes home, don't yell at him. Because yes. now, you know, with this power that women have, we have taken on a lot of masculine energy. Yes, we and have. We scare the hell out of these boys because they don't <laughs> know what to do. And I'm not, I, and I'm only saying that because I would not have known how they feel had I not been a therapist and they're telling me, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm getting it from the horse's mouth, how they really feel. And so I told him, I said, if you want to have dinner for him, I said, just see how things go. And she did that. And she called me that she texted me the next day and she said, Doc, that worked, that worked. And she said, he was still talking about those fantasies at his job the next day. I said, I told you, wow. I said, they are so simple. Men are so simple. And I said, you get into their heads. It's like that intellectual property. Cause they think about sex every two minutes, every two oh, seconds, yeah. not every two minutes, every two seconds. And look, I know that's true because because the hormones, when they were trying to regulate my hormones, um, it was a two doctor. The first doctor didn't do a good job and he gave me too much testosterone. 
andro, I think it was andro jealous cream. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about sex every second. And it was like crazy. And it was like, I wanted to call a, uh, the pizza boy and jump on the pizza boy. <laughs> And like, even, even the little fat deacon in, in church looked good to me. And I'm like, oh, oh Deborah's ordering a lot of pizza lately. Like, I said, this is, this must be what men feel like. This wow. is what they feel like. And when I started asking them, I told them, I was straight up with them and told them about this experience I was having. They said, yeah, that's exactly what it's like. And they said, please tell, please tell women that's how it is, that we don't mean to be, you know, jumping on them and scaring them all the time or just saying we want sex all the time. But when I, I went to another, my gynecologist and I told her the, the uh, milligrams mm -hmm. of this stuff this guy, this guy gave me and she said, honey, that's too strong for you. And wow. she said, she said, aren't you celibate? And I said, yeah, quasi. She said, I said, no, but she, when she, when she lowered the dosage, it was fine. My thoughts. So that really taught me what men go through, but wow. it's like how they don't even know how to manage their own feelings and their own sexual needs. That's why when we do a fantasy for them mm -hmm. and get into their head, it changes the dynamic. It I changes the total dynamic of how they feel about us and about their own needs because that, 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 being on that, that intellectual, you know, having those thoughts and just, just a story, mm -hmm. having them having the story of this erotic fantasy that their partner, wife, girlfriend, whoever wrote to them. And if they're really into her, they'll begin to see her in a different light. They'll begin to see her in a total different light, you know. I love that, Deborah. I absolutely love that. <laughs> when I first met you, this is the conversation we had was about writing a fantasy. And of course, my, my first thought is, I have no clue. Like, yeah. I guess I kind of have a clue, but am I doing it right? You know, <laughs> there's no wrong way. Got it. There is no wrong way. So I have, a, I created a, a PowerPoint um, um, and um, I, I wrote, I wrote a book. Well, it happened to me with a, a guy I met online. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when we, we, had, we, we met right after COVID hit, so we couldn't meet. He was, he, was in, um, he was in Boston and I was in DC, so we couldn't connect. But, you know, he was younger than me. I was like younger men. He liked older women, which was, which was fine. But, you know, to keep the momentum going and with the brain um, treatments from the hormones, I could see a scene of what I wanted to do when I was with him. And I would just write it out, right? And send it to him. And then um, he started having me to record them for him because he said, I love your voice. And I never listened to my voice, you know? And it taught me how we as women don't really listen to ourselves. We don't look at ourselves, you know, our bodies and just love our, love our bodies. Because there were things about me I didn't like. I had scars you know, from my surgeries. And he would just say, I think you're beautiful. I think everything about you is beautiful. And I had to learn to accept that, you know, and just look and say, yeah, I'm I, I pretty. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. But these fantasies, he told me, got into his head. And this guy was the ultimate pretty boy. You know? <laughs> and he, he told me, he, those fantasies got into his head. And he, he told me, he said, you're different. I said, what do you mean I'm different? And he said, you, you know, you're, you're special. You need extra. Cause I, I knew he was like a pretty boy and ran, ran game, mm -hmm. you know, 
on older women, particularly, you know, because he said a few things trying to get me to buy this or that. And I'm like, no, no, that ain't happening. But, <laughs> but the little thing like, oh, my my laptop, my 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 um, my MacBook is problematic. I need a new one. I'm like, yeah, I need one, too. I said, when, what, which one are you going to get? Yeah. <laughs> Put him in his place. <laughs> Put him in his place, yeah. But those fantasies, you know, really got into his head. So he, I was sending him one, like one or two, one or two a week. And it became fun for me because in between clients, I'd send off a fantasy and then he ghosted me. He ghosted wow. me and I didn't know what that was about. You know, one of my millennial clients said, oh, we do that to each other all the time. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, we get mad and we'll block each other. And it was like, I got a spiritual download that said it's his stuff. Mm. He's going through something. I, and then that was fine. I said, okay, it's his stuff. I'll leave him alone. You know, so I gave him his space. Three yes. months went by. By the time he contacted me, I had trademarked the, the fantasies. I copywrote them and I wrote a book. And, and he and I talked about this because I said, I think we're twin flame lovers, soulmates. You know what twin flame is? Oh yeah, you explained yeah. that to me, yes. Twin yes. flame is one soul that split eons ago and you come back together in two different people. And that's why when you meet someone, you know, you, you have this familiarity and say, I know you from somewhere, you know, I, I just, I just, you know, something you, you get me that kind of thing. And he said that too, but you know, and I said, we're supposed to be together to produce content and help other people heal. But I learned he got in his feelings. Men can't handle their feelings, especially love. When somebody show, when we show love to them, mm -hmm. we show care, kindness, consideration, and that we got their back. They don't know what to do with that, yeah. especially if they if they've never experienced that, you know. And especially if they're used to running game on women and being in control of that, and he couldn't handle it, you know. When he came back, I told him, I said, you know, they, I'm selling, I'm selling. I said, I'm I made a business out of this. I said, he said, you're selling our personal stories. I said, I didn't know you were coming back. I said, you know, a girl had to do what a girl had to do. And I said, I told you, I said, I got, I had the spiritual message that we were supposed to do content together. You took off. I said, I stuck to the plan. I said, so whatever, whatever riches are going to come from that, they belong to me. They yes. belong to me. Yeah. So. Wow. Wow. Well, everyone, you heard it here, <laughs> right? That is a way, you know, I think women ask, want to know all the time, how do I get inside my man's head? How do I get, have him look at me different or, or how do I rekindle things or re-spark things and write him a fantasy, get inside his head. You heard it, everyone, right from Deborah. I absolutely love this. Deborah, let me ask you, uh, anyone who wants to get into contact with you to get you for your services, what is the best way to contact you? Um, everything, my, my website's being restructured now, but you can reach me at Deborah at DebraAnnCruz.com. All right, Deborah at DebraAnnCruz.com. Yeah. Ann has no E. It's D-E-B-R-A-A-N-N-Cruz, C-R-U-Z.com. Awesome, Deborah. I'm so glad you joined us today. What a fun conversation. So Thank much you. value to, to our audience. I really enjoyed you being here. Thank you for being here. And we're going to have to have you on here again so we can continue talking about sex, trauma, and confidence. Absolutely. And fun. And fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Definitely.
fun. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We love you. We appreciate you being here. Rock your day, own your day, love yourself even more today. Until next time. Adios. Bye.